Well, aloha and good morning, New Hope Community Church. Happy Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Wasn't that amazing? Our worship, did, our worship team did a phenomenal job of putting that together. Uh, special thanks to Jennifer Shiraishi who put and edited and put the music uh, for that special. And also Pastor Pat uh, Machado who's been doing an amazing job of editing and putting all of our videos together so that we could have an online church experience. A welcome to our Easter service. And I know uh, that we're going through social distance right now, but that doesn't mean that we have to be relationally disconnected. And that's why these last three weeks, I've been really encouraging you guys to get engaged in church. You know, this is the only time where you can chat during church and talk and chat online. Uh, a lot of you have sent your social media posts or posted uh, on how you're doing church with your family. And uh, we've been showing that in each and every service. But this morning, I just wanted to, because it's Easter, just give a special uh, honor and recognition to some of our church family who are healthcare workers. Now these, um, all of them are actually uh, women and they are, are selfless and uh, they put themselves at risk so that they can literally uh, save lives every time they go to church. And I think it's so appropriate that today is Easter Sunday and over 2000 years ago in the first Easter, it was the women who were entrusted by the God of this universe to proclaim the greatest news of all time, which is the resurrection of Jesus. And, uh, you know, we had the first responders and the women back then were the first proclaimers. And the first person I want to highlight is uh, Melissa Beck. Now, she is an ER nurse at Kaiser Hospital in Wanalua. She's just a brand new mom, uh, married to Luther Beck, great members of our church. And this one is uh, Maggie Keo. She's a nurse practitioner at Race Pediatrics in Laie, married to Will, who serves in our military, and they have a son named Ashton. And this is Anita French. She is just an amazing servant at our children's ark. There's two boys and husband Chris. It works for American Airlines, and this is, last but not least, this is actually my sister-in-law, Megan uh, Dangana. She's been joining us online, all the way from San Francisco, big up to California. She is a pulmonary specialist, uh, UCSF, in San Francisco. Let's make sure to uh, pray and appreciate uh, all of our healthcare workers and our first responders as well. Uh, let's be let's prepare our hearts for tithes and offering uh, this morning. You know, Second Corinthians says, uh, Paul he he thanks the Macedonian church, which is like Thessalonica area, the Thessalonian church, and uh, he talks about that they gave um, according to their hearts and not just what they're to their uh, needs, but they gave really out of the abundance of their hearts. And there's a pattern there that I wanted to share this morning, and it's this. It says that the Macedonian church, they gave themselves to the Lord, and then they gave themselves to the needs of the apostles and the needs of the church. Meaning, there's this pattern where Jesus wants your heart. He does not want your money. 
that we offer ourselves to the Lord. And from that place where Jesus is Lord over us, over our time, over our families, over our marriages, over our finances, from that place of the Lordship of Jesus and giving ourselves to that, then we give ourselves to the needs of our community. So let's continue to keep our church strong during this season and continue to keep our community strong as well. Okay, uh, I know we have a couple of uh, small business owners. We have Moena Cafe and Moena Suites that just launched, uh, that are launching uh, today in Easter. And I know we have uh, JP Lamb of Off the Hook. Man, this is the best time to get poke, uh, right? Is during this quarantine time. So make sure you support them as well. Let's prepare our hearts and let's pray. <clears throat> God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, O oh God, that you are the resurrection and the life. <clears throat> and Lord, I just pray right now that you would prepare our hearts, O oh God, to receive your word. We thank you, God, for who you are. We thank you, God, for uh, what you've done and what you will continue to do. Lord, you have a perfect track record of goodness and faithfulness and mercies. So, Lord, we rely, we trust we give ourselves to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so how are you guys doing? Like for real, right? I know uh, you're at home, but how has uh, being shelter in place, how is that working out for you and being a, needing to work at home? Uh, there's a couple of pictures here that I want to show of people just working. This is picture here day two of a six-week break and my kid already broke our tv okay uh, i know the struggle is real when we're trying to work we're on the table trying to get coffee in front of the computer and our kids just want to play with us but if you don't let our kids do this while we're working from home and just let them be unattended this is what happens can you see that where in the world do they get all that green paint, neon lime paint? And lastly, my friend bought this 18 rolls of toilet paper and her kids put them all in the bath. Let's get into our text this morning, which is a continuation of our series on the Beatitudes or in the Sermon on the Mount. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. And let's go ahead and read Matthew chapter 5. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of God. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven heaven this is the word of the lord so let's just get straight to the point here here's uh, the main point of this text jesus fulfilled all righteousness so that we might become the righteousness 
of God. I think it's worth repeating. Jesus, the Son of the living God, the resurrected Savior, He fulfilled all righteousness, all the requirements of the law. What was the result? So that we might become the righteousness of God. And what, the, what this simply means is this, that Jesus lived His life right so that you and I could have right relationship with God. Jesus lived right so that I and you, we could be in right relationship with God. Let's remember that the first purpose of Matthew's gospel is to present that Jesus Christ is the fulfiller of the law, that he was the fulfiller of God's promise to Israel and the prophecies that there would be a Messiah or a Savior that would come and usher in the kingdom of God. That's why the word occur, um, or fulfilled rather, occurs over 15 times in just the Gospel of Matthew alone. That the Gospel of Matthew has more Old Testament references and quotations than Mark, Luke, and John combined. That Jesus fulfilled the law. He fulfilled our righteousness. You know, traditional Jewish orthodoxy says that there are 613 laws in the Torah, right? From Genesis to Malachi, that there's 613 commandments that followed. You know, I could barely keep track of 10. But Jesus, because he lived a sinless and perfect life, because Jesus is God himself, he fulfilled and he obeyed right down to the T. Jesus says every iota, which is the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet, Jesus has fulfilled. Let's look at the text again. Verse 17, do, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, but I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus has come to fulfill the law. You know, there's over 300 prophecies and predictions about the Messiah. And Jesus fulfilled each one of them. I'll just talk about three. One is that Jesus is our Passover lamb. In Exodus 12, uh, Moses gathered all the elders of Israel and says, Hey, let's get a Passover lamb that would atone for our sins. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 Paul writes, for indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. The second prophecy is this, that Jesus was to enter Jerusalem on a donkey, Zechariah 9. Now in Luke chapter 19, when Jesus comes into his triumphal entry in Palm Sunday, he comes riding on a donkey. Third prophecy, a major one is that Jesus is to be a light to the Gentiles, meaning the non-Jews. Isaiah 49, 5 through 6. And in Acts chapter 13, verses 47 through 48. So the Lord has commanded that I have made you a light to the Gentiles. And Jesus is the good news for the whole world. And he fulfilled it all. Every righteous, every iota, every, he dotted Every I, he crossed every T to fulfill the righteousness, that the, every requirement to be in right relationship with God, Jesus fulfilled it. 
Now I'm about to humble brag. Not really. It's a for real kind brag. Uh, you know, I was a pretty decent uh, athlete, uh, not just in high school, but in junior high. Um, I was the only one of two seventh graders. I mean, the other guy was about six feet, but I was like five foot five. I was the only seventh grader to make our junior high all-star basketball team. I know, I know. Now, um, and I was also pretty good as a runner. And one of the things I was uh, I prided myself in was the long jump. You know, I, I, I had uh, in our school one of the longest long jumps. Did you know that um, the world record for long jump is by Mike Powell during the Olympics? In 1991, he jumped 29 and four and one quarter of an inch, 29 feet and almost five feet or five inches rather, 29 feet. That's almost uh, the average small bus is 25 feet. So a bus and five feet, that's how far he drove or he jumped rather. Now... I want to talk to you about righteousness because we've been made in the image of God, but because of our sins, sin separates us from God. So we, we approach our relationship with God two ways. One is through morality, by trying to be a good moral person and living a right life and being righteous. <clears throat> and the second way is immorality, that we completely suppress truth. See, the thing is, when we try to do good and we always compare ourselves to those around us, like, oh, I'm a good person. I never killed anybody. I never stole from anybody. I never robbed a bank, you know, and, and we compare ourselves relatively. It's like this jump contest that some of you are bragging that you could do 12 feet or 16 feet or even 10 feet. Well, the average person could jump like six feet. But the world record holder was what, 29 feet. And we think that's impressive. But that is not the standard. The standard would be like God's standard is holiness and perfection. It would be, it would be like God said, okay, in order for you to be in right relationship with me, you got to jump, long jump from Oahu to Molokai, 66 miles. And Jesus Christ has come every step of the way. He fulfilled all righteousness. Jesus lived right so that you and I could be in right relationship with God. Look at verse 19. Therefore, anyone who sets aside, meaning if you ignore one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches com these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Here's the conclusion here on Jesus' teaching that he has come to fulfill the law or fulfill all righteousness. Verse 20, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. What is the righteousness of the Pharisees? 
Luke 18 says, man, that there's a, a, a story, Jesus says, of a, of a priest that he would go to the temple. It's like, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like sinners like this extortioner or this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give all of, I give all that of my earnings and I tithe. Man, I only fast once a month at that and Pharisees, but that's not the righteousness that Jesus wants. You know, a couple uh, years ago, there was this article that kind of changed the way we look at religion here in America. And the, the term is moralistic therapeutic deism, which simply means that the new religion of America is try to be a good person. You know, adopt a, a, a dog, right? A runaway dog or go through the shelter during Thanksgiving. Go to a homeless shelter and feed those who are poor. Don't murder. Don't just be a kind and good person. But the problem with that is this. That no amount of righteousness, it will never be good enough. That's the first part. You and I will never be good enough. We will never jump 66 miles to Molokai. But the flip side of that is that our relationship with God is not based on uh, of our good outweighing our bad. The Bible makes it very clear. For the wages of sin is death. That no amount of good works, no amount of, oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm, New Year's resolution, I'm not going to cuss anymore, I'm going to stop drinking, I'm going to go to church more. That type of righteousness doesn't uh, overtake the fact that you've sinned before a holy God, that the wages and the penalty of your sin and my sin is death, which is spiritual separation that we're created in God's image, we're made by God and we're made for God. And because we're made in God's image, we feel the separation, we, so we try to be moral, we try to be good people. You know, Isaiah 64 verse 6 says this, We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, when we show off our deeds, just like the, the, the one of the Pharisees, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and we fall. Our sins sweep away like the wind. If you boast before God, it's like, oh, it's, it's like unclean, righteous rags. You know, my, um, one of my kids, they went out to, they've been going to the beach and um, they were looking for their board shorts earlier this week. And as they were looking around, uh, they put it in the hamper. Now, if you could imagine the moist of the hamper of beach water, and that's been sitting there for a couple days with other clothes. And man, he took it out. I was like, I'm, I'm going to go to the beach. I'm going to go to the beach with my brother. I'm like, oh, what's that smell? It's. Ah, oh, that's foul, bro. Come on. When we come before God, it's like, God, look, I go to church. I don't steal. I, I try to do my taxes on time. I, I, I try not to yell at my kids. I'm, I'm a good person inside. God looks at that and says what? 
whoo, it's like filthy rags. And it's just like human nature that we swing the pendulum. That if we can't reach God with morality and trying to be a good person, we, we swing the other side and we are immoral, meaning that we just straight up rebel against God. That we, uh, Romans says that people suppress the truth about God by their wickedness, meaning that it's like, you know what? There is no God. La, 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 la. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to drink as much as I want. I'm going to do stuff to satisfy me. I'm going to do whatever I want. If you're going to walk away with anything this morning, it is this. Morality cannot save you. Immorality cannot satisfy you. Jesus does both. Morality, trying to be a good person, it cannot save your soul because you and I, we're going to have to pay for the penalty of our sin before God. Immorality, living the life whatever way that we want, it won't satisfy it won't satisfy your soul that no amount of relationships, no amount of um, professional achievements, educational goals cannot fill the, the, the God-shaped puka, the hole in your life that immorality cannot satisfy. You might experience temporary happiness, but you will never get long-lasting joy. As we come to a close this Easter, um, Pastor Matt Chandler, who wrote a, a book uh, called Explicit Gospel, he talks about when he was in college and how, you know, this was the 90s and uh, he got saved radically and he wanted to bring other people to Jesus. So um, him and his Christian friends, uh, there was their neighbor that they tried to babysit. She was a um, divorced single mom. They tried to bring her to Jesus and um, trying to, you know, get her groceries and just building that relationship, showing them the good works. And, and finally, um, she agreed to go to church. And they go to church. And the speaker, who had no sense of the gospel wanted to talk about purity that night and as an object lesson he gets this beautiful extra long stem rose like this and he goes oh before I speak I just want to pass this on and so he goes you know you need to wear your purity rings and you need to be holy before God and you need to preserve your um, purity and your sexuality before God, you know, all you college students. And as he was talking about venereal diseases and oh, nobody wants that. And then his big bang, right? His home run hit was after he was talking for about 20 minutes and everybody got the rose. He goes, and after the rose has been bruised and the petals have fallen off, it's like, see, 
If you don't try to live right, if you don't try to be pure, you're going to be like this rose, all touched up by everybody. Who wants this, huh? Who wants this? And Matt Chandler, his heart screamed inside of him. He's like, Jesus wants it. Jesus wants the rose. Jesus wants you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And I don't know if you've been trying to reach God by trying to be a good person. There is no one righteous. No, not one. We all, like sheep, have strayed. We've all fallen away. We've all turned our back towards God. Or maybe, you know, you're trying to be satisfy this emptiness inside you through immorality, just living the way whatever you want, like there is no God. I'm going to do what I want. I'm the master of my own destiny. And you made a complete mess of your life. And you feel just like that rose, tattered, bruised, broken. And it's like, why would anybody want me? I tell you this morning, Jesus, the resurrected Savior, He wants you. It doesn't matter what you've done. Just like the prodigal son, how the father, he was supposed to bring his rebellious son to the elders of the city and have him stoned to death for disobeying him. But instead of judging him, he ran after him while he was still a long way off. He hugged him, he embraced him, and he threw a party for him. This is the father's heart for you. We all know John 3.16, for God so loved the world. How many of us know John 3.17? That God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. This is the heart of God for you. He wants to save you. No matter where you're at this morning, that this is the most eternal decision that you could make. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says this, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. Now I want you to highlight these words concerning the gospel. That the gospel is preached to you, in which you receive it, in which you stand by the gospel, by which you are being saved. That the gospel, your understanding of who Jesus is, saves you. That your eternal security, your eternal soul, hangs on your understanding and your faith and your belief and your trust in Jesus Christ. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. This is the only card that we have. This is the last string that we can play on. This is our last hope. That Jesus Christ came to save sinners like you and like me. Believe in the gospel. Believe in the finished work of Jesus. That he has lived a perfect life. You and I could never live. Why does Jesus need to live a perfect life? So he could fulfill all righteousness. So that he could be this perfect, acceptable, holy, blameless lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world.
So I'll give you an opportunity this morning to receive Christ. All you have to do is believe and receive to stand firm in who Jesus is. Morality cannot save you. Immorality cannot satisfy your soul and the longing that you have to be connected with your maker. Jesus does both. He can save your soul and he can satisfy your deepest longing in your spirit. So I'll take this opportunity now. If you want to receive Jesus, receive him into your life. Could you hit, I commit my, there's a button there. I commit my life to Jesus right now. We'll give a couple moments. This is the most eternal decision that you make. Eternity hangs in the balance of your understanding and of your faith of who Jesus is. Yes, uh-huh. Believe. As you do that, if you said yes, could you repeat after me? Jesus, I love you. Thank you for loving me. Come into my life. I receive you as my Lord. Be the God over my life. I will follow you. I will love you. I will obey you. Lord, be my savior. Save me from myself. Save me from my sin. Would you come right now? Holy Spirit, seal me with your presence. And for some of you here this morning, Maybe you have said yes to the Lord and you, just like the prodigal, kind of walked away, you've strayed, uh, have done your own thing. Maybe you used to go, uh, go to church, maybe you used to read your Bible and this is a perfect opportunity for you to recommit your life to Christ. The lights are on. The door is open. It's time for you to go back home. It's time for you to go back to your first love, which is Jesus. So I'll give this opportunity for you to, um, on the screen right now, it says, I want to recommit my life to Christ. Would you go ahead and press that and say this prayer after me? Jesus, I give my life to you. Would you renew my love, renew my commitment, renew my faith in you, Jesus, in your life, in your death, and in your resurrection. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>